One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, everybody, it's Mike. On today's show, you're going to hear a conversation between Gene Piero, or Doc G, as he's popularly known, and myself about Gordon Lightfoot and about the impact that Gord's music had on Gene's career. Gene is the CEO of Hamilton Radio, which is a network in New Jersey. It runs 24-7, has a variety of different musical styles, and has a listenership in the millions. Gene is an actor and a musician and, of course, a businessman. So we won't be focusing on a specific song today, but we are going to have a great conversation about Lightfoot's music and about the music industry in general. Hope you enjoy it. On with the show. The first guest of the evening is truly a poet. He's an artist. He is a friend and an inspiration to anyone who I think has ever played the guitar or tried to write poetry. Would you please welcome Gordon Lightfoot? This is Carefree Highway Revisited, the show that celebrates the work of Gordon Lightfoot song by song, a proud member of the That's Not Canon podcast network. I'm your host, Mike Messner, and along with me today is a fellow Lightfoot fan from Hamilton Township, New Jersey, Gene Piero. Gene, welcome to the program. Right. You're welcome. I'm actually Doc G. I go by Doc G on Hamilton Radio. I own Hamilton Radio. We're going to find out a lot more about Hamilton Radio before we get done today. I wanted to talk to you, first of all, about your musical background, because you're a, a music head, as am I, and I'm wondering how you got into that more generally, and then we'll talk about Gordon's music uh, right after that. Well, music, oh my God. My parents got me into music when I was younger. I played the trumpet for 14 and a half years. I played a little bit of bass guitar. I played keyboards with, with a lot of different bands, local bands, and just became a entrepreneur of loving music, loving the, the sound of creating songs and making music, having fun and just enjoying the songs and the lyrics. I mean, doesn't get any better than enjoying whether it's Gordon Lightfoot or anybody from, from that era of the 70s and 80s or 60s, the years I kind of grew up around. It's fantastic. So you really had some background in that when you were very young and that's just kind of developed into where you are now then, yeah? Also a DJ for many years, um, uh, different places, different local radio stations, newscaster and weather guy, all this different things, you know, overnight guy, plus so local you, DJ for dances and stuff. So, yeah, I had a lot of different uh, hats, as they call it. Yeah, you did have a music show for a while. Can you tell us about that and you can tell us what happened to it? Yeah, what happened was it got to be too hard to do. My daughters were getting older and I started when they were younger. You, you put a lot of time into a lot of editing, three-hour show. It was called The Weekend Oldies Feature Show, and it really was a good show. It featured all the songs and artists that we play on the weekends. It was a good way of looking at different artists, too. I think we did a tribute to Gordon Lightfoot on one of the shows where we played a lot of his music from his greatest hits and a lot of his songs from um, earlier times, too. I think one was called The Auctioneer, if I remember. Yeah. He's done that one. I mean, that's an old folk song that, you know, a lot of people have done, and notably Bob Gibson and Joan Baez. But if you can find an air check of that one, I'd love to listen to it. You started also, in addition to playing music, you also have written it. And I'm wondering 
what was that like for you? What was the process and how did you feel about your work after it was over? You know, it's like anything else you do, Mike, you feel that um, it could be tweaked. It could be better. I'm very, very judgmental on myself. I didn't like the way the chords were, the lyrics were, the side, you know, everything that went along with the song. But it is what it is. And it came out the way it came out. It never got published. But I do have some old, old songs that someday maybe I'll publish them, redo them or give them to some artists that are friends of mine that I would definitely love for them to have. But as far as uh, if it makes them or breaks them, I would love that to uh, open their career up with that. Yeah, there's no feeling better in my experience than having a whole room of people or a whole auditorium of people singing along with a song that you've written. And, you know, I've had that experience a couple of times. I, I hope you have too. And I hope that the music that you're doing gets passed on to people also, just like you said. Now, how did you get into Lightfoot's music in particular? Because let's face it, I mean, Gordon has a very specific sound in a universe of great music that came out of the 70s and about out of the singer-songwriter movement. So how, what got you tuned into Lightfoot's music? Well, I had to say it's AM radio. If, if it wasn't for an AM radio and a little transistor radio back in, I guess, the early 70s, when I first heard Sundown, oh my God, what a great song. <laughs> I, I love that song. And I, lo- I said, oh my God, anything from this guy, I probably would love. You know, and then, of course, Carefree Highway was another great hit. And the only thing about radio that I always got mad about was I want to hear more of the artist. I don't just want to hear the hits. I want to hear what the artist is portraying in the album. What is he trying to say in the song? And a lot of artists will tell you they they weren't one hit wonders. They were more than one hit wonders. It's just that they were only played once, once in a while. And people revered them as one hit wonders. But I love Gordon Lightfoot. I love his music. I love everything about him, the, the music, the way he wrote, the way his style is, you know, just, just a lot of his different songs. Like I said, I have his greatest hits CD, and I love it. Every song in there is a great, great tune. And I play all of them on Hamilton Radio at any time, too. I play all of them, every song on there. Now, is this Gord's Gold we're talking about? Yeah. yeah. That was what got me into it. I mean, my listeners know this, but when I was three years old, my father brought home the LP, this double album of Gord's Gold. And this is back in 75, I guess, long before digital music was a thing. So my earliest memories of him having something on our stereo in the family room was Lightfoot. And my dad had been a DJ too, right out of college in a very, very small radio station in Northern California. So he had a whole bunch of, you know, old 45s that, you know, I'd listen to every now and then. There's a lot to love about Gordon, but as a musician, how much of an influence did he have on the stuff that you wrote and the stuff that you played? Oh my God, I would say him and America probably were the biggest influences in early music songwriting, including John Denver as well. Just the the, the lyrics alone, the, like I said, the style of the song, everything about the music, everything about the song, everything about the songwriter, everything in that song that touched my heart in many, many ways. I would look at it like I told Jack Tempchin, the one that wrote for the Eagles. Jack, I said, you know, the music that you wrote, did you ever think that it would ever be as happy or as good as people would know it? Like a daily word. He says, no, not at all. No songwriter ever thinks that their song is going to be a big hit. But when it is, like you said, it's like, oh, my God, this is look what I created. It's just a a fantastic thing to see that. And, And Gordon's stuff. It's hard to put into words because it's just all over the place with me. I, I have a deep love for it. 
And I, I love Eric, everything lyrically about it. It's very hard to think about anything related to his music that there isn't to like. I mean, he's had some albums that were more successful than others. What sure. artist doesn't? But to look at him and the fact that he's still at it, still creating new material years and years, decades, probably six decades after he first broke onto the scene and that people are still coming to see him perform in concert. I mean, just really says a lot about the man. How many times have you seen Lightfoot perform live in concert? I don't think I ever seen him. I would have loved it to see him in the early days or even um, several years ago. Just never seen him. I, I'm not a big concert goer. I mean, I go to certain ones, but it's not like every time somebody comes to town, I'm like, I want to go to a concert. You know, I just don't do that. I've only seen him once myself. And because I don't live in a big city and you don't either, it's a little bit of a schlep to get to the venues. Now, we do have very close to where I live, Shoreline Amphitheater, but that's more headliner bands. And they wouldn't take Lightfoot, who's really a small auditorium kind of guy. So, I mean, the last time I was at the Shoreline Amphitheater, I saw the Jonas Brothers, which gives you some idea of the level of headliner stuff that they're looking for. Have you ever met Lightfoot? No, I never did. I've never met the man. I would have loved to have talked to him, interviewed him, and asked him a lot of, you know, a lot of the things on the songs and why did he change the chord here and why did he change the chord there? But again, did you ask uh, Picasso when he did a painting, why did you do this? You know, it's just, it, it is, it is. I think there are some songs that the artist can't really explain. And there are others who are able to say, this is what I was thinking. This is the setting. This was the moment when I did this. I think about David Crosby writing the song Long Time Gone, the night Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. And he could pinpoint that. But other times, I mean, I'm going to be doing a show, for instance, tomorrow on a song called The Watchman's Gone. Mm -hmm. And Lightfoot has never gone on record about what that was about, which makes it even more intriguing. And my guest and I will probably have a fun time talking about all these different nuanced ways in which he writes, and particularly with this one. So here's a tough one for you. Okay. If you had to pick five songs of his, you mentioned Sundown, you mentioned Carefree Highway, both of which are on the Sundown album. And that was the album that really opened up Gordon to the European market. He did his first concert tour of Europe uh, in 75 to promote that album. Are there other songs of his that have a really deep personal meaning for you out of his canon? Definitely, if you could read my mind, it would be on there. Early Morning Rain, another great song. Uh, I don't know if I could pick five. There's so many. I mean, there's a tie for me because I do love Rekka the Edmund Fitzgerald. That song is such an amazing tune. And of course, Beautiful is a great song. So I, I kind of like gear myself towards the older Lightfoot stuff. I really don't know any of his new stuff. And that's really sad. I've done this with a lot of bands. I know some of their new stuff. I don't know everything. I tell that people, I said, you got to tell me. I don't know what's out there. I can't keep track of everybody 24 hours a day, seven days a week, what they change, what they do, if they're with another band, if they're with this band. I don't know. I rely on the people to tell me, hey, this band's got a new album out. I want to check it out. You know, I'll check it out. But I mean, I do like other songs too, but they're probably my top ones. You've named ones that I've done on my show. And my goal in this is to go through all of his songs with different guests. And so we're now into episode 26. 
So we've got quite a ways to go, but it's been just a glorious amount of fun. Now, you talked about the Sundown album, and you've also mentioned that you don't necessarily keep track of the newer stuff. And Lightfoot's output in recent years has been certainly less intense than it was in the 60s, where he was doing two albums a year there for a little while. But you said the Sundown album. Were there any other albums that you went out and bought? Because this is the 70s now, okay, when he was really it. Um, Were there any other albums of his that you went out and bought as soon as they were released? I can't say I have. I don't think I've seen a lot of them. Uh, It also depends on the record stores at that time, what they had available. We didn't have internet. You couldn't go and order stuff, CD or whatever. If the record store didn't have it, you can ask for it. But if you didn't know about it, it was just one of them things that you had to inquire about. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I didn't want to inquire about it. I just had other artists that I was pursuing at the time. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. I mean, we've all got that. And the time period you're talking about, there was so much great stuff to run after. And you mentioned Lightfoot and you mentioned America. I mean, for me, uh, the other influence would have been CSN, another group that has done amazing stuff and then disappears for years. And then will come back. And until recently, they were just as competent as they were to begin with. Now, you are also a doctor of music. You call yourself Doc G, as we've already said. Now, do you literally have a PhD or is that sort of an honorific? Honorific. Uh, when I worked for the New Jersey State Police several years ago, when music came on, whether it was my music or any music that we played, I was even able to, you know, be, oh, you know that song, what is that song? I would give them the artist and tell them, you know, the, usually the time and the, the song and where it was written on and who wrote it and it, just a lot of different things like label it was on, it was a 45 or off the album, what was the album name? So a lot of little intricacies that I learned as you do the songs and you learn that, you can share that with your public and, and people that listen to you. You can share that with them. And it's, it's interesting because if you know something that somebody else doesn't know, challenge you on it. Well, how do you know this? Well, it was on the album. It's written right here on the album. Oh, right in the credits. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay, well, I did. So There's a great story about Dylan walking around late at night with one of his friends, and they were talking about these old R&B records. And he was able to name, yeah, Johnny Burnett and his trio, 1956, you know, Bobby V playing at the surf ballroom in Iowa, you know, 61, things like that. It just had this encyclopedic knowledge. And so that may have been, you know, they called you the, the doctor of music because you knew so much and because you were exposed to it being a DJ. That probably means that's your, your pedigree there. We'll be right back to our conversation with Gene Piero about Gordon Lightfoot and his music. But first, some words from some of our podcast sponsors. Have you ever taken a great high school history class? If you have, then you'd probably agree that the one thing that made it so enjoyable was your teacher. And understandably so. At their best, history teachers are vibrant storytellers, leading you on a gripping, fun, fantastic learning journey. But sadly, we know it can be pretty difficult to continue that journey after graduation, with no one there to be your entertaining tour guide through the world of dense, obscure historical research. 
Fortunately, 20 Minute History is here to help with that. It's the new podcast that aims to be your very own high school history teacher for everything you didn't learn in high school. Come join us as we explore commonly unknown histories in our informative, engaging, and amusing 20-minute episodes. It's 20-Minute History, out now on all your podcasting platforms. Hi, this is Audie Martello, the host of the Mostly Folk Podcast, a 60-minute foray into the music we all love. You will hear newly released albums, classic folk, country, and bluegrass music, as well as some traditional music that may or may not be true to the genre. Sometimes irreverent, often opinionated, but always entertaining. You may even hear a radio magic trick every so often, as well as numerous interviews via Zoom and telephone with established as well as indie artists. Mostly Folk is available wherever you listen to podcasts and always at mostlyfolk.org. Let's talk about Hamilton Radio a little bit because, and this is for my guests, but it's also for me, is it an internet radio network? Is it a literal radio network? What was the genesis of it? What is it called? What do you do? Well, I'm the owner of it. I started it out in 1996, 97. We're coming up to what, 20, I think it's 26 years, something like that, because I started it even before that too. But I never expected it to even be this long, to tell you the truth. We have our own studio here in Hamilton. Um, we had another other studio before that and studios before that, but we got a newer studio. I love the way I can express the music for the people. I don't do this for myself. It's nice to, but I do it for people that want to listen. I do it for people that want to find out about Gordon Lightfoot and they don't have the time to sit through a concert. But with that said, at the same time, when they hear the show that I do, they want to sit through the concert because now they know the songs. They can sing along. Now they know more about the artists. When I talk to certain people in music, the first thing they tell me is, your station is amazing. I just talked to Terry King from the 70s Drifters, and he says, you're the only station that's playing our music, the new music. Nobody else will play it because all these stations won't play it because they're oldies. They won't play new stuff from them. So what happens to the artist? The artist gets forgotten about. They, they may have new stuff, but they can't get played. Hmm. And they're, they're a well-known name, but nobody knows them. So I try to make that a reality for them and go, listen, you've got a place here where you're home, where all I ask is send your fan base to us and we'll be glad to play it. We'll get requests, we'll, we'll play it and we'll play more requests and other songs you got and your friends and other songs they have. And it just goes on and on and on. And that's how the radio station began. And it's still going the same way. Never changed format, always been variety, which leaves us open to a lot of categories where we're not in the oldies format. We're in a rock and roll format that's more rock and roll, jazz, country, blues, rock, a lot of the different things that are out there. And um, we play them all by one time or another, or even certain shows that deal with music. Um, so it's an all music station then? Is that correct? Yeah. My friend Terry Draper from, um, from Canada that was with Claw 2, Terry and I have been friends for years. And Terry uh, even agreed. He said, you're the only one still playing, not only Clot 2, but my stuff. You're playing Terry Draper's stuff, you know? And to hear that from a musician, it's just like, it's a badge of courage. 
I wear that badge proudly. I said, you know what? I'm glad I'm doing it. I want to be unique. I want to be out there. I want to help them get their merchandise sold. I want to help them get their music out there because AM, FM radio, or even AM radio today or FM radio, and they don't want to jeopardize the listeners. So they play the same 500 songs over and over again. We've got over 90,000 or 100,000 songs of artists, all different artists, all over the country, all over the world. And many of them I still play from the early 90s when they came to me, the independent artists, the local artists. The bands that started out as nobody became somebody. And now they're, they're well known, but nobody knows them before that. That's what, yeah. I, that's what I try to do. I try to help promote the bands and the artists that are local to put in the format where they're, everybody's happy. Let's take a quick side trip here to talk about radio in general. And I describe myself as an audiophile. I mean, I grew up on old time radio, had a close friend who was the morning anchor on KCBS in San Francisco. My dad, of course, had been a DJ. And of course, we listened to the radio, even in the house, which is something that none of my friends were doing when I was growing up. They always had the TV on. My parents had the classical music station or they had the news. This is in the 70s and the 80s. The impression I get about the radio industry these days is that not only is it tremendously corporatized, but that the people who are running it are lawyers and accountants and people who are looking at bottom line, and they really don't have a clue about music as an art form. Is that a sentiment that you'd agree with? Yeah, I, I, I agree with it all the time. My, my, the local radio stations around this area between Hamilton, Trenton, and New Jersey, we have that problem all the time the corporations don't understand all they're looking for is the numbers. They want the numbers. They want people there. They don't care what they play, where they play it. See, I do care. I do want, and I want people to understand that there's a difference between a person that loves what they do and do it well, rather than somebody just doing it for the sake of doing it. I have a lot of my DJ's friends that actually say, Oh my God, you have it so good because not only you're the owner and you control everything, but you get to pick and choose what you want. And we don't get to pick and choose. We're told to play this. We're told to play that. And if we don't play it, we don't have a job. And that's the truth. That's what corporatism is. Yeah. And to be fair to them, I mean, it's a brilliant business model. It just defeats the whole joy of doing it. It's become, I don't want to say mechanized, but that that's not the right word, but it's become so corporatized that it is all about the bottom line and it's the same thing with streaming because you have artists that are if you get a million downloads you could pay for a cup of coffee at starbucks or something yeah that's true yeah yeah so it's it's very unfortunate now one other thing about hamilton radio what kind of a reach does hamilton radio have i mean it's an all music station you gave me the idea that it's a 24 7 deal what kind of listenership do you have? I mean, it's got to be fairly substantial after 26 years of being in the it business. And that, that's why we keep it going. It's because of the people that were loyal to us in the early years that listened and told everybody to listen. It's everywhere that the other stations that were out there with me didn't want to do any advertising or didn't want to promote their station. I put us everywhere, everywhere there was a website, everywhere there was a directory, I put us. So most of the time, people reach out to me and say, oh, my God, I just found you on a directory. I just found you here. I just found you there. To me, that's a super nice thing, because if we weren't there, they would have never found us. So I, I still get them emails. I get the, the compliments. I get people constantly saying, thank you for playing our music. We appreciate it. Can we send our fan base to you? So 
the reach has always been big. We had over 50 million listeners years and years ago. Wow. I mean, I believe it's it's even higher than that because we're on Alexa, we're on Google, we're on all devices. We're going to have our own app again. We're going to be on Roku and we're going to be able to have contests and have people listening and enjoy, just enjoy listening and have fun with what you hear. And I tell people all the time, we may not be what you like, but there may be something else out there. But if we are, let me know if I'm doing something right or something wrong. I want to say I also run a radio station in Australia. I helped the guy that actually uh, was one of the DJs there. And he reached out to me. The owner died. And I said, okay, fine. I'll take over, tell you what to do. He says, no, just let me run the station. You just own it. And I said, sounds good to me. It's been 32-year radio station in Australia. It's called Oz Country Music Radio. And that's another feather in my hat, I can just say. And I'm a very humble guy. But when I get a success, I like to share it. Yeah, I mean, Shakespeare said that our praises are our wages. And I totally agree with that. Now, I'm going to ask you a loaded question, and then I'm going to ask you another loaded question. But the first one is, I don't suppose Hamilton Radio carries uh, podcasts about uh, different artists, do they? Oh, yes, we do. (laughs) Okay, we'll talk offline. My people who talk to your people will do lunch. We got all new shows coming in June, our anniversary, 26 years. We have new shows coming up. And uh, again, I, I have people say, okay, well, how can one station exist with the other? And I said, it's simple. It's just different people that listen at different times. And I promote all three stations. I also run Smoking Bacon Radio for a guy that it's a big military base. And when Hamilton Radio runs, 90% of the time, Hamilton Radio runs right on Smoking Bacon as Smoking Bacon Radio. So we get heard literally everywhere. Literally everywhere. This is um, a place to be heard, really. I'm being semi-selfish about that because, of course, I've been doing this for a year. Absolutely love it. Wow. Want to see the show continue to grow. This is, as you said, it's a labor of love. But the more people can hear it, the better. So we'll do business about that a little bit later. Okay, here's the second and final loaded question for you. Let's say that you have control over Gordon Lightfoot's set list at the venue nearest you that he would be likely to play. Now, I don't know anything about New Jersey geography, but you would. Okay, so let's say a place that holds between 500 and 1,000 people. And you get to choose the opening song of his opening set. What would it be? Oh, that's hard. That is super hard. I'm going to have to say Sundown. Yeah, that would be one of my first ones also. Everybody knows it. My daughters are in their 20s, and when I play Gordon Lightfoot, they say, oh, my God, isn't that song going down? I said, yeah, said, that, it's a great, great song. It just, it's one of them that just keeps, you just never forget it. Not that the other ones aren't great, don't get me wrong, but it's just a, a different song. The other one's more mellow and lovely, lovely, and this is more, you know, it's just, it just gets to you. Absolutely. All right. Well, Doc G, thank you so much for taking the time. It's always fun to talk music with people who actually know it and hope that we can have you on the show again sometime. Anytime. Just let me know. I'd love to have you on my show too. And we can talk about your show and then my uh, entertainment friends will see that you're doing a show and we'll comment to you. This is how we grow, man. We network together. It's not about money. Like I said, it's not about money, but it is It's business but it's also connections. It's who knows you, not who you know, who knows you and who likes what you're doing. And it all comes down to people, doesn't it? And it all comes down to people. I'm in a TV series and also a movie. And I might be in Cobra Kai soon. So 
like I said, there's no stopping you, man. There's no stopping you. And I've got an offer to be in an independent movie this morning. So I'll probably be working on that this summer. So I think we've got the beginning of something here, Doc. Well, you never know. All you right. never know. You never know who, who needs who for what. There you go. And thanks for listening, everybody. If you like this well enough to listen to the whole thing, tell somebody about it. Carefree Highway Revisited is on Apple, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our website is www.lightfootpodcast.com, and our Patreon page is www.patreon.com slash carefreehighwayrevisited. You can reach me, Mike Messner, at teachermike72 at gmail.com. Our next episode will be coming out on or about the first week of July. Lee McCormick will be joining me to talk about his favorite song, Race Among the Ruins. Until then, this is Mike Messner reminding you, run for the roses, but don't forget to stop and smell them. We'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.